guys, welcome to Telling the Told and Untold. My name is Tsoho. straight into today's case, I do have to give you guys a couple of content warnings. In this video, we do talk about S assault, S assault of minors, bestiality, and suicide. I don't go into any detail, but still, if that's not something you think you're interested in watching, then this video probably isn't for you, so maybe you can watch some of my other videos or just wait for my next upload. Today we're going to be talking about the infamous advocate Bobby. Susan Fissa was born in either 1977 or 1978 and she was an only child. Growing up her mother says that she was very conservative but she was very like proud of who she was. She wanted to achieve so much in life. She had always wanted to be an advocate. She excelled very well in both primary school and high school. In primary she was deputy head girl and in high school she was also a prefect. During her high school career she didn't really date much she had like one boyfriend and it said that he broke up with her because he said that Susan wasn't very like exciting you know like she was very quiet she kept to herself and that's just like the type of person Susan was also when she was younger her parents did separate but after a while the two of them did get back together because Susan knew that she always wanted to be an advocate she worked really hard to achieve this goal she went on to university and there she was completely for both of her law degrees and she was just really excited about her future and what she was going to achieve. While she was in university she said that she had her first ever boyfriend, like her first actual actual boyfriend, you know, and while she was studying for her bar exam he actually broke up with her and she says that it was because of this breakup that she failed her bar exam but either way she didn't let this get her down and she just continued her studies and in June 2001 she joined the team at the Independent Association of Advocates and this is where she met this is where she met Dirk Prinzler. Dirk was one of the chairpersons at this association and he was also the person who would be able to boost Suzanne's career as an advocate and basically just teach her everything that she needed to know so she was very excited about this opportunity that she had in front of her and there was one day where Dirk was hosting a braai at his house, invited a couple of people, a couple of colleagues and Suzanne arrived there with two other women who worked at the company and when she got there you know people were having a good time and later on in the evening Dirk decided to give her a private tour of his home and the property and by the time Suzanne left she was so impressed by who Dirk was, the things he owned, his house, you know like he was a strong independent man and within a month Suzanne, who was only 24 years old at the time and still a virgin, would move in with Dirk Prinzler. So let me quickly tell you about Dirk Prinzler. Dirk has been described as almost everything under the sun. From being the kindest man to being a charmer, a manipulator, polite, charismatic, socially slick, extremely flirty, making the hairs on your arms stand up, Dirk Prinzler was everything you can imagine. Just like Suzanne, Dirk had also wanted to be an advocate for as long as he could remember when he was younger, he would walk around in his underwear and on his underwear he had literally written Advocate Prinzler. Also like Suzanne, he excelled like in school, he was very intelligent, would get good marks, but he wasn't that well known in school when this case broke out and journalists found people that he went to high school with and they interviewed them. 
most of them didn't remember who Dirk was. Like, Dirk was not a leader, he was not a follower. Like, he was basically just, like, a no one. Like, he didn't stand out. People didn't even remember him, you know? So he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to be someone, someone that he wasn't in high school and primary. Although Dirk had a high IQ, he also had a very low EQ, and he was said to be a troublemaker. There was one time whilst he was in court where he was fired as a prosecutor for attacking a female witness but you know he didn't let this get him down and he was still gonna get back up and be who he was he also had a reputation for being a bully towards women and he had an extremely small temper Dirk was about 10 years older than Suzanne so at the time of this case he was about 34 years old and you know you could say that Suzanne was very young, she was naive, she didn't know much about life and who she was and what she wanted. When she moved out of her parents house she literally only left with her car and her advocate gown, like her advocate attire, that's all she had. She didn't take any pictures, anything sentimental, you know, nothing. That's all she took with her and then she moved into Dirk's home in centurion and not too long after she moved into Dirk's home she started changing and you know she just changed completely she dyed her brunette hair to like this beach blonde and Dirk also encouraged her to get breast implants so she went in and she had breast implants and when she came out Dirk wasn't happy with the size he wanted them bigger so she went under the knife again and then she came out and this time she had double D's it said that uh, I think he wanted a bigger size thing wanted like double E's and if you're a woman you know how big those are and probably how heavy they are but you know the plastic surgeon said nope it's too dangerous and wouldn't let her get a bigger size so now she was completely changed she'd also go do her nails you know like she wasn't the type of person to go do her nails but now you know she'd come in like long nails that were all glammed up and not to say that there's anything wrong with like changing your appearance but Suzanne changing her appearance was something that shocked her entire family because that wasn't the type of person that she was and it's not like she was changing it for herself to feel better about herself she was changing herself for Dirk because this is what Dirk wanted of her. Suzanne's mother says that the first time she saw Suzanne with her breast implants and like this complete makeover she was so shocked. This was when Suzanne went to her parents house because her parents were moving houses so Suzanne had to come and get some of her things so when her mom saw her she was so shocked and taken aback and she says that Suzanne wasn't the fun loving beautiful loyal friend and daughter that she had always had now she was just like a completely different person not just physically but you know just who she was as a person was so different Suzanne's family and friends were so shocked by the changes that she was making in herself and her mother didn't hide this her mother was very open and very opinionated about how she felt and as soon as she told Suzanne this Dirk was not having this and Dirk made Suzanne obtain a family protection order against her own 
parents but this didn't stop Suzanne's mother at all she still wanted to know what was going on with Suzanne what was going on in Suzanne's life if she was doing okay so sometimes she would call Dirk's secretary her name was Laurie Peters and just ask how Suzanne was doing and Laurie would just give her updates but the first time that Suzanne's mother called Laurie Laurie didn't know that there was a protection order that Suzanne had against her parents so after she spoke to Suzanne's mother she went to Dirk and Suzanne and she said listen please just let Suzanne know that she must call her mother her mother wants to speak to her and Dirk and Suzanne uh, went off at her they started like you know like just shouting at her telling her that Suzanne's mother was a witch that she didn't want them together and told her that she wasn't allowed to speak to Suzanne's mother not allowed to give her updates about how Suzanne was doing nothing you know and after this happened Lori felt very off about the situation and she spoke to Suzanne on the side and she said listen I think maybe you just need to reevaluate this relationship that you have with Dirk and you know just go back home you know it's okay to leave him type of thing but Suzanne was not having it she was loyal to Dirk and yeah Dirk would also consistently monitor Suzanne's weight he would watch what she ate make sure she only drank diet shakes whilst he would have like a full meal so let's say for example they would go out to a restaurant she would be there like with her salad her diet shakes and he would like order the biggest steak the nicest sides and she would just have to watch him but Suzanne also wasn't like that confident in herself growing up so the fact that Dirk would give her so much attention would care about how she looked it made her feel really good about herself so for her it wasn't like a red flag or anything like that she was just so happy that someone was finally paying so much attention to her and she loved that attention she never received it before so now that Dirk had finally worked on Suzanne's appearance, he thought that she was ready for the public eye. And in the beginning of 2002, he decided to take Suzanne to Idols. It's safe to say that Suzanne couldn't sing and him taking her to Idols was just to boost her modeling career. So you know like how some people go on reality TV to like boost their social media so you know to get them into content creation. It's like the playbook that Dirk was using before it was an actual playbook you know and it really worked obviously Suzanne couldn't sing but she went there she was dressed very like she was wearing revealing clothes she had this beach like this bleached blonde hair these big boobs and it caught everyone's attention and it really worked after she went on idol she started getting phone calls she would appear on tv shows she would have radio interviews it would be magazine and newspaper articles written about her and not too long after that Suzanne Fisser was no more Suzanne Fisser she was now known as advocate Barbie oh I forgot to mention earlier that when Suzanne started changing her appearance her clothes would also change so when Suzanne and Dirk first got together Suzanne would wear like very modest clothes and after they got together he changed her entire wardrobe like she'd wear very revealing underwear very revealing clothes she even had this one like lace transparent black dress that she would wear out to the mall and, you know sometimes people would wear like clothes like that maybe when they're going out at night to the club but she would wear it 
in public in the mall where there's like families and children because that's what Dirk wanted like Dirk really wanted to show her off. Suzanne's newfound fame opened doors to various projects including an abandoned children's home. One of the articles published about Suzanne was in Heisgenoot which is just like you magazine but it's just in Afrikaans and a lady her name was Marie Duplessis she got in contact with Suzanne wanted to work with her and they met at I'm not too sure if it was Suzanne's house or Marie's house but they met at a house and Marie's daughter was there. She was 13 years old and her name was Janine and during their conversation Janine caught Suzanne's eyes and afterwards they kind of formed like a relationship or like a friendship so Suzanne would take Janine out all the time like would take her to the mall, take her shopping, she would go over to the house in Centurion that Suzanne should shared with Dirk and then one day on Janine's 14th birthday they went shopping like they always did Suzanne bought her presents and then they went back to the house in Centurion but unlike other times this time Janine was going to spend the weekend she spent the weekend there and that was that but after Suzanne had gotten in contact with Marie and became a part of this like abandoned children's home she wanted to work more with like charities and children's home children's homes so she reached out to another charity in Pretoria called Bramley House and she went there and she basically just said that she wanted to work with them she wanted to work with the young girls that lived in the house and give them modeling opportunities and also have her house in Centurion with her husband Dirk as like a safe haven for the kids I'm not I don't think they were married I think it was just a way for them to feel more comfortable about her knowing that she was like married and like in a committed relationship she said that their house in Centurion would be like a safe haven they had like a swimming pool there was a dam on the property there were small bucks there were ducks you know like the children would feel safe and have a good time on weekends and because of like Suzanne who she was you know the fact that she was an advocate she wasn't just like this advocate Barbie you know like she was an actual advocate she was well educated had this good house had good money the people at the children's home were very impressed by her so they agreed to this and this would be a decision that they would regret for the rest of their lives the first girl to go to Dirk and Suzanne's house in Centurion was 15 year old Anna Marie and Anna Marie was so excited to go to their house because she had always wanted to be a lawyer growing up so the fact that she would be able to spend a weekend with not just one but two advocates was something so exciting for her so like she jumped at the opportunity and she spent the weekend there Dirk picked her up but when she went back she didn't want to go there again she didn't want to see them she was like fine she was a bit odd but you know they didn't think too much about it and then three weeks later they chose a second girl she was Carrie and she was 11 years old so they picked her up for the weekend and then once the weekend was done they brought her back home but this time when she got back to the children's home and she saw that their house mother she immediately burst into tears and she started crying and she just told them that she had had a horrible weekend a weekend that she'd never forget at the same time that all of this was happening someone had anonymously given media houses intimate pictures of Dirk and Suzanne and basically just their sex life. 
somehow Dirk caught wind of this and he basically went to court and said that they can't do this you know like this is their intimate lives and the judge ruled in Dirk's favor basically saying that yeah he understands that you know media houses have a duty to do to release stories but what people do in their bedrooms is up to them and it shouldn't be out for the public to see. Carrie says that on her weekend away at Suzanne and Dirk's home in Centurion she got there and then they started playing pornographic videos of two men and two women and then Dirk and Suzanne started undressing and getting intimate in front of Carrie and then later on during the weekend she was in her room and then Dirk went to the room and he tried to kiss her and then another time Suzanne went into her room and undressed and showed Carrie how to use a sex toy. The house authorities then went to go get Anna Marie to go ask her if she had been through the same thing that Carrie had been through and they were so surprised to hear about what happened to her. Anna Marie says that she got to Suzanne and Dirk's home and once she got there they took her to the master bedroom and there were pornographic magazines all over the floor and then Suzanne and Dirk started undressing and they engaged in sexual intercourse in front of Anna Marie and immediately she ran to her room and she started praying asking God to protect her. Then the next day or the day after she was just sitting alone and then Suzanne approached her and Suzanne started speaking to her telling her about sex and telling her how to perform oral sex and then Suzanne started showing Anna Marie her intimate areas like showing her her genital piercings and just things like that and then when it was time for Anna Marie to go back to Bramley home Suzanne told her not to tell anyone about what had happened that weekend and Anna Marie didn't tell anyone she was so scared about what had happened to her and she also just didn't want to tell people because she knew that Suzanne and Dirk were both advocates which means like you know maybe they could represent themselves well and she knew that police would also be be involved and she didn't want that. She also said that because of what happened to her that weekend she had no interest in being a lawyer anymore. Then on the 28th of July 2002 the house managers made a statement to a police officer and the commissioner of child care became involved but because of the sensitive nature of the case and the vulnerability of the victims the investigation proceeded with utmost caution and secrecy. As they were investigating the case, they started gathering background information about Suzanne, about Dirk, the people they had seen, just things like that. And then they discovered that a 14-year-old had also spent a weekend at Suzanne and Dirk's home, and that was 14-year-old Janine Duplessis. So they managed to get a hold of her, and they asked her what happened when she spent the weekend at Suzanne and Dirk's home. And they didn't think that it could get worse than it did, but it did. Janine said that when she got to their home she was given alcohol so she started drinking, she was allowed to smoke cigarettes outside of the house and then at some point she went back into the house and they gave her a cup of Milo, she drank this cup of Milo, then all three of them went to go sit on the couch and after a while she started feeling a bit dizzy, woozy, like a bit disorientated 
and then she just remembers being carried to the main bedroom by Dirk and then she says that everything else is just a bit of a blur but what she does remember is flashes almost as though someone was taking a picture of her or pictures of her with a camera and she also remembers Suzanne sexually assaulting her. She then says she woke up in a different bedroom and when she looked down her bikini bottoms were off. The investigating officer then teamed up with other police departments who investigated the couple on various complaints and associations with criminal activities. There was a case for their arrest that was being built and the police also suspected that the couple was involved in sexual abuse and indecent assault of women and girls, as well as a possible involvement of child pornography and the use of drugs to subdue victims. Then on the 19th of December 2002, Armed with a search warrant, police officers went to Dirk Prinsloot's home in Centurion. They then searched the house and they came out with mountains of evidence, including the date rape drug, Repinol, marijuana, DVDs and homemade videos, explicit pornographic magazines, obscene photographs, and the so-called Red Album, which contained over 300 pornographic photographs. Suzanne and Dirk were then arrested and taken to jail and then the following day they appeared for the first time in front of the judge at the Pretoria Magistrates Courts and bail was set for each of them at 4,000 Rand but they'd have to spend the weekend in jail and they'd only be able to be released that Monday. The police then also had to sift through all the evidence that they had taken from the Centurion house and just see what they could use against Suzanne and Dirk and also as all as this as all of this was happening, they also received phone calls from other people who said that they had been sexually assaulted by Suzanne and Dirk. After their arrests, Laurie Peters, Dirk's secretary, decided to speak to Suzanne again and basically just told her that, you know what, just turn evidence into the state, become a state witness, give them evidence, you know, like leave Dirk alone and just help yourself. And maybe if you help the prosecution, then, you know, you will be out in a couple of years, you will be able to fix your life, things will be fine. But Suzanne said that she would never leave Dirk. She was loyal to Dirk and Dirk had given her the best sex of her life. No other man would be able to do that. And she also said that Dirk had promised to pay for her legal fees and that financially it wouldn't be smart to basically turn on Dirk so she was going to stick beside him. Then on the 17th of May 2004, Suzanne Fisser and Dirk Prince were formally charged with crimes ranging from fraud, soliciting minors to perform indecent acts, indecent assault, rape, possession of Dacha and manufacturing and the possession of child pornography. A trial date was set for the 25th of January 2005, more than two years after they had been arrested and the couple pleaded not guilty, Dirk to all 16 charges against him and Suzanne to all 15. It would take seven years for the case to unfold and finally be resolved. And because Dirk and Suzanne were advocates, they knew what to do and what to say in court to get them to like delay court proceedings and court proceedings were delayed for about six months and then they did return to court after that and it was clear that a lot had changed. 
Suzanne had undergone surgery to remove her breast implants and by the way she was avoiding Dirk in court you could tell that the two of them were not together anymore and they had broken up and this would have been this was a problem for their defense because their defense was kind of coming up like Suzanne and Dirk were a unit, they were in this together and now they weren't together anymore and also when witnesses would go up on the stand and evidence was brought out, Suzanne wouldn't say that it isn't true, like she would kind of like agree with it, she wouldn't say anything, like she wouldn't deny anything that anyone was saying and Dirk did not like this at all. Then there was one time after court, Dirk went outside and he went to reporters and he spoke to them and he basically just said that Suzanne was making big trouble for him and that he couldn't believe how spiteful he was being, or she was being rather. And he also said, and I quote, I tried to get her to join me in couple counseling, but she refused. Hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn. Then on the 10th of October, 2005, Dirk launched an urgent application to have his trial separated from Suzanne's and he said this was because Suzanne was not like they weren't a unit anymore and she was not helping them you know like she was basically saying everything was true and this man was trying to defend himself make himself seem not guilty and Suzanne wasn't helping their case so he wanted their trials to be separate but just after four days the judge denied this application and they would have to continue together as a unit. When the trial took a break again on the 30th of November 2005, Dirk's bail was increased to 20,000 Rand and he was allowed to travel to Russia on business. He said that he should be allowed to travel to Russia and that he isn't a flight risk because there was some time during the trial where he had traveled to Russia before for business and he had returned for his trial like he hadn't tried to run away so why would he do that again and then he also said that he wanted to return because it was in his best interest because he wanted to prove to the courts that he was not guilty and he also said that he believed in the justice system of South Africa. So there he went off to Russia for business and then six months later when the trial was supposed to continue it was no surprise when Dirk was a no-show. So when they asked his lawyer where's Dirk the lawyer basically said that Dirk called him and said that he was not returning and he's gonna stay in Russia. So this man just fled. He was not gonna be a part of the trial and they shouldn't have let him go in the first place but there he was and as soon as this as soon as Dirk's lawyer said that Dirk was not returning you could see Suzanne like pacing up and down the courtroom like she was stressed about what would happen what would happen and then the judge then decided to postpone the case again but then Suzanne said that they should just close the case I'm not too sure why I think because like they were basically like being charged together so now they didn't know when Dirk was going to return so it didn't make sense for them to postpone the trial because they didn't know how long it was going to be postponed for but then the judge agreed and the case was closed. Then, again so many thens, then senior advocate Johan Engelbrecht got in contact with Suzanne and he said that he had gotten in contact with her because he had sympathy for women who had been used and misused by their partners, people that they trusted, so he didn't feel as though Suzanne had done the things that she had done on her own accord, but she had done them because of Dirk. So he wanted to represent her and he filed an application for them to reopen the case and they did. So 
again in September 2005, the same year, the case was reopened and this time Suzanne changed her tactics. She had entirely new defense and decided to argue that she was a victim of battered woman syndrome. So uh, just in simple terms, based, uh, battered woman syndrome is a pattern of signs and symptoms displayed by a woman who has suffered persistent intimate partner violence, whether psychological, physical or sexual from her male partner. Suzanne also said that it was as though Dirk had replaced her brain with his, so she would literally do anything that Dirk wanted. Whatever Dirk thought about, like she would do it. If Dirk wanted this girl, like she started thinking like him, so she would also want this girl. If Dirk wanted to sexually assault this girl, Dirk would sexually assault this girl. So that's what she said basically happened. It also turned out that a few months after Dirk and Suzanne started dating, Suzanne would go to Joburg and Pretoria and solicit underage sex workers for Dirk. So some people say that because she did this, she wasn't a victim as she made herself out to be, but rather she was an accomplice because it had only been a couple of months and she was willing to do it. On application by the state, Suzanne was then booked into Vescopi Psychiatric Hospital for a 30-day observation period, but the trial was completely derailed when in April 2007, the judge for Suzanne's trial died from lung cancer. So now they had to start this trial all over again. They had to find a new judge, find like new things to charge Suzanne with, like literally just start all over. After so many years, they literally had to start over. But what could they do? With a new indictment and one charge of rape, Suzanne went to court again in February 2009, more than six years after her initial arrest. Without Dirk's presence, Suzanne made some shocking revelations about her relationship with Dirk. Under oath, Suzanne admitted that over a period of time, Dirk's darker desires began to emerge and she was basically just sucked into this world. At Dirk's instructions, Suzanne said that she got intimate piercings, like she got her nipples pierced, she got her genitals pierced. She also had a tattoo of Dirk's name on her genitals. She also said that Dirk was a prolific consumer of pornographic material and he would make Suzanne go out and find sex workers for him. And Suzanne also had a little black book where she would write down the names of sex workers that Dirk preferred so that she could get them again. They would also use drugs, like, not necessarily like drugs, but you know what I mean? Like, Dirk would use Viagra and then Suzanne would use uh, a date rape drug as well as some of their other victims or other people that Dirk would sleep with. They would also um, make pornographic pornographic videos like of themselves, you know, engaging in sexual intercourse. But there were also some pictures and videos of Suzanne with the sex workers that they would invite into their home as well as some pictures of Suzanne with their dogs. Their dogs. Suzanne also said that in only a matter of months, the situation escalated and became more violent and Dirk would punish her with sexually degrading acts if she did anything to displease him. And as the sex slave, Suzanne claimed that Dirk would threaten not only her life, but her mother's life as well. So she had to do anything or everything that Dirk wanted. There were also doubts about what Suzanne was saying because they didn't find any hardcore evidence to corroborate everything that she was saying. So it was just basically like he he said she said and also she would basically like try and 
move herself away from the hardcore evidence or hardcore allegations against her like molesting underage girls during the trial she did apologize to the girls but it's said that it's almost as though like she was just apologizing to apologize so she looked good in the judge's eyes but not because she was remorseful about what she had done you know it was just beneficial to her and her sentence not that she cared about them Finally, in October 2009, Suzanne Fissa was convicted of 11 of the 14 charges brought against her, including defrauding a children's home, soliciting children to commit indecent acts, manufacturing child pornography, and indecently assaulting two women. She was then sentenced to seven years in jail and denied permission to appeal her sentence. Her name was also added to the National Sex Offender Register before she was taken to the female section of the Pretoria local prison on the 17th of May 2010. Suzanne only ended up serving three years of her sentence and was released in 2013. She had to serve the rest of her sentence on house arrest and she was only given she was only allowed to like leave her house if she had to go to work but she had to return home at a certain time. Then in 2009 2018 she did get married to a businessman from KwaZulu Natal and her name changed from Suzanne Fissa to Suzanne Smith. So let me quickly tell you about what happened with Dirk Prinsler. So whilst all of this was happening, Dirk was in contact with uh, media houses as well as the NPA and he offered to return to South Africa if he was given bail and he also could choose the judge of his choice. But the NPA said no and said that they don't argue with fugitives, rightfully so. So whilst Dirk was on the run, he went from Russia to Belarus, which is another country, and whilst he was there, he tried to rob a bank. He was armed with a toy gun, a balaclava, and gas spray. He went into the bank, and not too long after that, sirens started ringing, and he ran out, but he was spotted by a 10-year-old who knew him because he robbed a bank on the same street that he lived on. And he was arrested two days later. He was sentenced to 13 years in prison and then he was released in 2018. So once he was released, South Africans had to choose whether to extradite him or have him deported. So to extradite him, they had to have someone go with him and like be with him whilst he comes back to South Africa. Then he'll be like sentenced or go through trial for everything that he had done with Suzanne. Or he has to be deported, but deported back to Russia because he was from Russia when he went to Belarus. But then South Africa was taking too long to decide what they wanted to do and the Belarus authority decided to send him back to Russia and that's all we know. There's no new information about Dirk Prinsloo, where he is, what he's doing with his life. That's all we know. The last thing we ever heard about Dirk was from 2018. One of their teenage victims, Janine Duplessis, did commit suicide uh, close to the border in Botswana while she was there with her son as well as her boyfriend. At the time, she was addicted to heroin, dealing with substance abuse issues, and she was depressed. And that's it for today's case. Please let me know what you guys think. If you guys think that Suzanne would have went on to commit these crimes without Dirk, or you think it's like two evil people that came together and became more evil, I'm always interested to hear what you guys think. Thank you guys so, so much for watching, and I'll see you next time. Bye.